What happens when you take Facebook arguments between friends who don't agree and have them face to face? I'm Xanthi. And I'm Andrew. And this is We've, We've Got, Got Issues. Issues. Hello, everyone. We are back for episode 21 of We've Got Issues. And boy, we've got issues, right? Major issues. <laughs> Major issues. Uh, yeah, it's been... It really is astonishing to me how every every time we record, I somehow feel like things will be calmer next time and yeah. they actually get more heated. Um, yeah, so this is episode 21. We yeah. are now legal to legal to vote. Oh, no, that's legal right. to, sorry, drink. Yeah. Much more importantly, <laughs> legal we've to reached, drink. We've reached our majority or we whatever. We should be having a drink to adulthood. celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Uh, and um, it's interesting because when we began this experiment uh, almost a year ago, um, we began with Me Too. We Our first episode we recorded on the day that the Weinstein story right. broke in the paper. And we kind of didn't know what we were getting into. Um, and, you know, we talked about Me Too for a long time because it, you know, unfolded over months. And now, uh, then we veered away into kind of politics and culture. And now with this Kavanaugh situation, we have been thrust right back into it. And there have been some serious discussions going on yeah. on and Facebook let, and between us. And, and, let, and let me just say, this is the second time in our podcast history where I've almost said, ah, what are we doing? Screw it. Let's stop. Because the first time was with the Aziz Ansari story, where like I just thought it was so complicated, and there were so many pieces, and like, and that what were we doing? We were kind of going around in circles, and it was just it was sort of too hard. And what made you want to stop? Um, and then this week, from this story. I felt the same thing, um, which was just that that all of this is exhausting. That that I don't know if you felt the same way, but that I that there's. I probably read a hundred Kavanaugh stories mm-hmm. this this week. I don't know about you, but it, I read fewer stories, but I had a lot of online conversations and in-person discussions about it with people that I did not agree with. Actually, and, and just wrestling with this, and you know, for me, so much cognitive dissonance. I think you come from a different place where I think you kind of had a, a, a viewpoint that was pretty. Meaning this didn't surpri- this didn't surprise me. No, that that I think that you kind of knew where you would be on this issue sure. right at the beginning. Um, right. I whereas, mean, the Anita, the Anita whereas, Hill thing happened when we were still in college, right? So that was something that happened that formed my generation right. of women. But but for me, I, I don't feel like I necessarily wear a red or blue jersey right 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 away, and so you know, I kind of wanted to to I didn't really have a stake in the sense. Wait, well, I want. You know, I want Kavanaugh to be on one right. team or the other. Yeah, well, right. I, and the funny thing is, if I looked five years ago and I said, hey, if Kavanaugh, um, if I was looking at Kavanaugh five years ago, it would have been pretty easy for me to say, like, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm very pro, I'm pro-choice. I don't really believe that we should be letting, you know, um, th- that we should be letting somebody who's sort of very religious and using kind of religious tests mm-hmm. kind of establish, you know, things that really should be established by by science and um, and I think that it's him. a it's essentially right. So I, I just I, having a pro having a pro life Supreme Court justice to me like that wouldn't be something that I'd be like oh yeah I'm on that team and it's not it was not really my team um, and because my well, I would be dividing that in terms of tribalism between people who are really religious and want mm-hmm. to impose social conservatism on other people and mm-hmm. then this other group which is like. Yeah, all that kind of stuff is sort of made up anyway. So um, 
maybe we should use science. And Wait, so I'm confused. Are you saying that you, five years ago, you wouldn't have liked Kavanaugh as a, before all this stuff has come out, regard, uh, before the allegations against him, just looking at him as a, as a potential Supreme Court judge, right. his pro-life wanting to overturn Roe v. Wade thing would have turned you off five years ago. Yeah. I, but it doesn't now. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a funny thing because I actually think if you look at the history of the Supreme Court, it's sort of like the stock market in my, in my mind where it, it, it goes up and down and it goes back, it goes left and right, but it kind of always goes up, right? And same thing with the Supreme up Court. in what sense? Oh, oh, the stock market. The stock market does, okay. right? It always goes up. Like, Court. Okay. There's always more people. There's always more businesses. Yes. So there's just, sure. it, it just always goes up. Right. And I actually think Supreme Court, if you look at it, always goes left. And I think for the same reason, uh, for a different reason, which is that I think that science kind of pushes things left. So as we understand more about the world, as we understand more about people and genetics. Conservatism and is doomed to lose ground. Well, conservatism, that's based on like, religious dogma mm-hmm. is, is going to lose, mm-hmm. I think. because That's an interesting, so, interesting so I kind of, my feeling on conservative or I actually think of it, it's, it's always going to go left. And so when you get a conservative person, maybe it's going to move more slowly and you get a liberal person, it's probably going to more, move more quickly, but it's not, but I don't feel in general like that usually you put a, that, a, that a things socially Move, okay, so move you, a lot. you so, believe that the Supreme right. Court holds to the kind of Martin Luther King, you know, the arc of history, yeah. uh, bends towards justice, if you want to call it that. I think it bends, uh, yeah. But slowly, right? Which is an interesting thing because I am definitely not a Supreme Court historian. Although, you know, one of the nice things about what's happening in the world today is that it encourages all of us to like read up and become a little more knowledgeable about things right. that we never were knowledgeable about. Um, and it seems to me, from the stuff that I've been reading anyway, um, that I don't necessarily think what you're saying is true because it's not as if Supreme Court judges are, you know, they're not term limited. Yeah. <laughs> this whole idea of a lifetime appointment means that it can stay the way it is, you know, that, that a president and a Senate basically gets to pick the political leanings now of a Supreme Court for decades and decades beyond whenever they were appointed. Um, but also that there's this thing now called the Federalist Society, uh-huh. um, which you know essentially sprang up because two of Reagan's appointees turned out to be way more did what you predict, which is Kennedy. they started out and Souter, right? They started out and I think your Roberts um, conservative, and then that they moved you know increasingly leftward enough to become swing votes. I think Roberts is the same way. I think um, you're seeing that the Federalist Society essentially grew up as a way to make sure that that didn't happen anymore, which is right. why someone like Donald Trump is their dream president because he has absolutely no, he doesn't give a, you know, (laughs) rude word about what um, judge he picks. He just wants to make the Federalist Society happy. So he turns to them and says, give me a list. Um, And they give him a list and he, you know, throws a dart and picks Kavanaugh. Um, So I I hope that what you say is true, but it's really hard to feel that way right now. For sure, for sure. And, 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 And by the way, I think if you're in the middle of the depression, right, and the stock market has has got, gone down, you know, a thousand points. Maybe you feel like, oh, wow, like that's a huge, you know. Right. You throw yourself out a window. You throw yourself out a window because you're like, wow, that's a big shift. But but I but at the same time, I sort of my my overall view is like it it, it doesn't. It's not going to be. It, it might mean that we'll regress a little bit. But I but I also sort of feel, and this is just my own personal feeling, is that things will always drift. As you say, it's leftward, and that, um, 
and that uh, history has said that people don't get more conservative right. on the on Well, there's the a reason that the word progressive comes from the word progress, right? right? <laughs> like, that's a, that's a conscious choice to link those ideas well, with the idea that I'm, that's what progress I is. I might be a classical liberal, but I don't know that I'm a progressive. So well, I, but, it's come to mean lots of other yeah. things, but in my mind, that's what it means, yeah. uh, in part, which is this idea that we're going to progress forward. So I do think your idea is a nice one. I think like many of these things, it starts to fall apart a little bit when you yeah. consider the actual people whose actual lives yeah. are going to be so, potentially affected by something like overturning Roe v. Wade. So you could say like, so they overturn Roe v. Wade, in the long run it'll come, you know, we'll reinstate something like that, women will be able to get abortions. Yeah, but maybe there'll be 30 years when women can't get abortions legally, and maybe 30 years worth of women are going to suffer as a result of that. Maybe, maybe. I, I, and, and I, you know, I certainly concede that things could go in a very potentially, you know, radically right way. I don't, but I don't feel like that is likely to happen. So um, I think that's what but, we've just but, done. But let's, let's put that aside. So <laughs> the question is, why, why have I changed my opinion since five years ago till now? And now with, with this whole Kavanaugh thing, I kind of found myself sort of in a, before I was sort of the, hey, conservative, conservative presidents appoint conservative judges, liberal presidents appoint liberal well, judges. It all works out, works all out in the end. And um, and things tend to drift leftward, and that's, I'm okay with that. So that was where I was. And by the way, I'm not crazy about having super religious people making all of our decisions because I think that that's uh, not based on facts. Now we're in a situation where it's about, am I a man? Am I a white male? Um, and it's about me too. It's about all of these things, and it's actually changing my calculus and pulling me in directions and and in ways okay, that so I wouldn't, let's have, talk wouldn't, about... have, wouldn't have thought about, like, and and it's very strange to me to be thinking about this. And so this is my my analogy, and I get that I'm not good with analogies, but my analogy <laughs> is like this feels broken in the way that like Quidditch felt broken to me. Now you ever read Quidditch, the of Harry course. Potter thing? Yep. So like, there's all this stuff. There's bludgers and there's seekers and there's people and there's Snitches. lots of sn- people. Well, we'll get to that. And all these people flying around, right? And there's all these rules. And then because of narratively, like that's all complicated and you can't tell a good story. It all comes down to this thing called the snitch right. where like, and then whoever gets the snitch wins the game. Right. So and it's all a stupid other, game. And that, it's a broken game. It's stupid. <laughs> they should just call it get the snitch because that's the only thing that matters and right. everything else doesn't matter. And I feel like... The rest is all smoke and, and mirrors. And the reason that is narratively is like, well, that's something we can all understand and I'll focus on like the snitch and like all the other things... Like they're there, but they don't really matter. It's just, and I feel well. They make it a better story, right? It makes it a better story, and it's something that we can all have an opinion on. Like, did he get the snitch or well, not? So, get the and it and it involves a whole team. Whereas if it was just get the snitch, it would be like a one-on-one. It, right. Story. It would feel it would feel stupid if it was just get the snitch, but at the same time, like soccer, look, it would you, feel like soccer. Yeah, but if you look at the game, it is just get the snitch, and that's why Quidditch <laughs> is a broken game. I feel like. This is like... Well, this what whole do you mean com- by this? The, the process of confirming a Supreme uh, Court guess, judge? I guess everything. Yeah. No, this whole Kavanaugh issue to me says like, oh, we're going to boil it all down to Me Too. And, oh. and, that, and that Me Too is the snitch. And like whoever wins, we're boiling it all down to like, should do, should, do men have this, you know, sexual... Uh, have they done these sort of sexually has predatory this things? Man, has this has man, this man has has this man and actually Me Too is sort of like it's kind of asked that question about all men and and um, 
you know, and, and it gets down to saying, well, that's the core issue. And, and to me, that feels like, like on the one hand, I get it, like that for a lot of people that is the core issue. And, it, and in a way, it probably feels tied to the abortion issue too. That like, so it all sort it of is. feels together. Yes. But at the same time, I feel like, I, I don't know, it just feels right, to like- I got away in, Andrew. Yeah, so go ahead. Okay, so I, I hear what you're saying and I don't totally disagree, which is, um, I also regret that this Kavanaugh nomination process does seem to be boiling down to this one episode, alleged episode, right, that happened 36 years ago. Um, and that had to do with something that's incredibly familiar <laughs> um, to many of us mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, is, is being brought up in a time when we've been, you know, extra, we have heightened awareness of the significance of these kind of incidents. Um, I don't, I think there are many other things that Kavanaugh, many other tests Kavanaugh fails as a Supreme Court uh, nominee along the way. And I think that the Democrats tried and not very successfully to kind of bring the, you know, rein in the horses and bring this whole process to a halt several times Mm -hmm. um, and didn't succeed. Um, and I do feel like this woman, this, I think, very brave woman, is being used a little bit as a political pawn. Um, she didn't want to come forward. She felt, for whatever reason, she sent this letter to Feinstein. And now she has been dragged into this, really kind of kicking and screaming. And now the weight of so much is resting on her shoulders. Uh, she's And she's suffering. I mean, she's been, had death threats and she's had to move out of her home, you know? And I think we can't just say like, oh, death threats, move out of, like really think about what that means. Like you make this yeah, accusation, no, I... you enter yourself into this process and now your life is actually in danger. Like that is, you have to take your children and you have to leave your home. I don't think we need, to, we should gloss over that. Um, anyway, and I and I and I don't and I think it's really ugly, and it's ugly in the same way that the Anita Hill hearings were ugly. But it, it uh, is... and I don't. So in that sense, it's not like I'm sitting here gleefully rubbing my hands and being like, "Yeah, we're gonna get Kavanaugh." So when you say that this is like an easy thing for me, you know that I'm I know what side I'm on. It really isn't. Um, I don't like it. I wish that it wasn't happening. Um, yeah. I don't think this woman's life being destroyed is actually necessarily worth derailing this guy's nomination. However, once the accusation has been made and once the discussion in this country starts to be about does it matter, then then it is easy for me to take a side. Because I do ultimately, once the accusation's been brought forward and the way that the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee and the GOP senators in particular are dealing with this, it matters, and it matters through a, for a host of reasons, you know, that, that go all the way up to the president, right? And that trickle all the way down to every single person who's ever experienced, men and women, a sexual assault or uh, been the victim of some kind of incident like this, right? So when the way that we're dealing with it, you know, all the kind of tertiary discussions that are happening around this of like, how could she possibly remember something that happened 36 years ago? And don't all men do mm-hmm. stupid things when they're teenage boys? And, you know, does he or doesn't he remember? And what's the significance of that? And how could he have responded differently? 
all of those things now matter, unfortunately, because they've been brought up uh, and they affect all of us. They affect our children, right? They affect how we move forward as a culture and a country and the way that we respond to this. I guess, I mean, I think, right. So, but it, that's sort of the argument of like, like a, that's sort of the jury nullification argument, right? Like that's sort of, what does that mean? Well, that's sort of like in the OJ case, they say, look, it's about OJ, whether he killed his wife or didn't, but it's really about the racism and in, uh, in Los Angeles. And that yeah. is something that affects us. So we're going to, we're going to take, maybe take the wrong yeah. Uh, yeah. answer. And we're going to nullify what is actually justice. And we're going to actually say, we're going to do it because there's a larger question of right. justice. Which, you know, at the time Which I would have thought I, was ridiculous, but I don't know if you've watched, and I just have to put in a plug for the ESPN yeah. OJ documentary that won the Oscar, which was produced by my brilliant friend, Caroline Waterlow, um, which actually makes a very compelling case because it, it situates the OJ case in the history of police sure. violence and racism in Los Angeles. Yeah. So I, it actually, I think that's a valid right. so I think, I think question. It, I think it is... I think you're essentially making a little bit of an argument for nullification, which is what, what I guess they call that. And, um, you know, I, while I sort of hear that, at the same time, I think there's lots of better places, if that's our goal, to like make Me Too a thing. We, there are better places to do that than, than somebody where it's, you know, a 36-year-old allegation that we don't actually know whether it really happened. We have no proof. We have no corroborating evidence. Right. We just and have a credible story. We just have a credible story that we we don't even have yet one other person who can say, yeah, they knew each yeah. other. Yeah. Like, so maybe that'll all come out. But, like, if you want to make, I mean, I think what we're doing with Al Frank, what we did with Al Franken, maybe, what we did with... Um, you know, Louis C.K., what we did with Harvey Weinstein, like all of those are part of that. Sure. What we're doing with the, the, the new guy, the CBS guy, um, Les Moonves. Right. Like, yeah, like, I think that message is getting out and getting, being made pretty clearly. Right. So the idea of like, well, let's nullify everything for Me Too because this, it's not, our, it's not the strongest case for me too it's actually kind of a weak case because yeah it's I not think, a great case I totally agree you know what I mean you. which is to say it's not a great case and I say that believing her 100% yeah <laughs> right like because we don't and one of the things I think we don't really know what I mean we know what she thought was happening sure and so but at the same time we don't really know what they thought was happening yeah and if they don't remember it we may never know what they thought was happening correct and so well then I, we come back to this idea of um, does does what happened can can he apologize for something? Um, you know, a lot of the discussion has been around like what what sh how should he be responding right. well, to this? And you you asked me to empathize for like well how did that one feel to kind of give up your life and and to put in death threats? But I have to ask you like if you were at the culmination of your career and you had gotten this you were at that thing that was your lifelong queen, queen of the podcasters lifelong dream yeah exactly the thing that you would always wanted to be and that you worked incredibly a hard a writer and the you, New Yorker and you basically spent your entire <laughs> life with that as the goal and you, yes. and you got there and then somebody came to you and said 20 years ago you ruined my life and you had no idea well the better analogy is they would go to my bosses right right or Not your bosses me. yeah Brian, and see, 20 years ago, you ruined, 30 years ago. This person, Xanthi, ruined this my life. Xanthi ruined my life maliciously by doing this thing. And you're like, I 
you have no idea who you are, right? And I have no idea what you're talking about. And while that certainly sounds like something that, and maybe you're like, yeah, I guess that could have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Although that has not been his response. No, but but I mean, if in the back of your mind, you're like, I guess that could have happened. But then, but then you're asking, well, but. Do you how have would any, I why would, are, do you have any reason to be making this up? And so, how would you how would you respond? Right. Um, obviously, I personally would be devastated. Right. I would be defensive. I would be looking for reasons why this person's story could be a lie. Mm-hmm. I would not want to believe that I could have done something unknowingly. Say unknowingly. We're going to give yeah. the benefit of the doubt on that for the sake of argument. Um, but I don't think in the end that it matters how I feel about it. Like, I actually don't care how Brett Kavanaugh feels right. about, and I think that's the mistake that's being made here. Sorry, so but what would you do? Would you, would you, um, would would you say, oh my, yeah, that sounds, no, that sounds okay, or you probably fight for my, I would fight for my job, for sure. Yeah. Right? So, but that's not the question. The question, well, no, that, that is, no, no, but I'm saying that's, that's what, that's, if we look at it, that's not what we're asking here. We're not saying... And this is why I think saying how should Brett Kavanaugh be responding is kind of a mistake because right. it's really not about okay, then we agree it's really that. not about how he responds. Right. It is about and it's and it's a weird job. Like it's a very idiosyncratic, unique job, um, which is it's it's a job where you're essentially taking on a kind of moral leadership role that could last for decades that will impact hundreds of millions yeah. of people's lives, right? So, you know, my, that's, that's very hard I, to I imagine. I guess the reason I'm making that point is that a lot of people have made, made, made this point, which is to say, it's not so much that he did this thing. It's that one, he's either going to deny it and lie about it, right. or two, that he's, he did it and he wasn't apologetic. He didn't, he didn't try to find this woman. He didn't try to find, and, and, and I found both of those things like, well, those are, those are asking, well, what did, how did right. he think about it? Right. And to me, that says, I, I, if we, we agree, we can dismiss those things. Right. And maybe we should dismiss those things. Maybe those, those are not reasonable mm-hmm. arguments mm-hmm. to make. Well, because so here's the question. He is like, have, who is for, really the boss of the Supreme Court? So following your analogy, right, a mm-hmm. little bit further, who is the boss of the Supreme? Like, who really decides who gets to be a Supreme Court judge. So according to the Constitution, the president nominates and the, sorry, I'm banging on the table. Yeah, I'm so you want to borrow my shoe? Like, yes, I would like to do that. Uh, the president nominates and the Senate advises and consents, right? Yeah, so, but who really should be, I think this maybe is what it comes down to, who really decides who should be a Supreme Court judge? And because we have brought character into it, both sides have brought character into it, and because of this idea that he's being chosen or she is being chosen by our elected representatives, it really is the people of this country who need to have a voice. And the problem is that many people in this country no longer feel like the politicians and the president speak for them. Yeah, and that is a real problem. I like, I, If you think that the president, and if, this is why it all comes down to the president in the end, if you feel that the president is so divorced, like, it doesn't speak for you at all. Yeah. It's very difficult to overcome this. It's very difficult yeah. to say, you know, and if you know what his process was in picking this guy, right? He did not consult a enormous variety of sources and people like Kavanaugh claimed. He consulted one source, which was the Federalist Society, and they gave him a list. This yeah. is undisputed. Okay. And 
you know, he picked from that list. So in the end, I don't think it's outrageous that the people of this country, many people of this country, are looking at this and saying, we're calling bullshit on this. Yeah, it sounds to me, though, that you're, you're making a case really, again, for nullification, which is to say... Maybe really, I am. You're, making, you're basically saying it doesn't really matter whether he did it or not. It doesn't really matter whether well, he's a good guy or not. About, or, we're not or talking about sending him to jail. Right. We're you're talking like, about maybe this. he shouldn't have this job. You're this saying, is a job I, interview. But I think you're basically now saying, I don't really want him because I, like, and a lot of other people in the country, don't think that's the direction we should be going in. And, and I think... Fine, but they lost the election. But notice that I'm not saying it about Roe v. Wade, right? I'm saying it about yeah, but this, I think you're, this I think particular you're, test of character, which he has of, clearly failed. Of course you've... I don't think you're saying that. I think you're actually saying that, um, like that, that they picked somebody who's really wrong for the country. Just be... be from a policy standpoint, I think you're saying. Hmm. And it's not really about his character. And you actually... And that... You don't like his it's character. It's become about his character. But if character. you had Amy Comey Barrett, who's ex, you know essentially has exactly the same, she's like the Mormon, the Mormon she's version, very conservative, right? the Mormon version, the but she's Mormon never harassed Mormon. anyone, right. presumably. Right. Like if you had her, you would be, at, you would find another reason, I think, to say. Sure, we'd be having a she different. Have a great we'd be character. having a different conversation. But it would be you would be sim, you would be just as adamant that she I disagree. The wrong, wrong I don't direction. think that I would. I think I would be super bummed out and really upset that we have Because what we Amy Coder right didn't do this thing thirty six years ago. Well, I mean unfortunately once this once this accusation comes out, that's the conversation we have to have. I don't think we can then say have like who knows what would have come out about her. And honestly, to pretend that this hasn't happened a million times in the past is a little disingenuous. You can look You're down the list too. of Supreme Court nominees. No. You can look down the list of Supreme Court nominees who didn't make it mm -hmm. and they were disqualified for all kinds Ginsburg, of reasons. Bork, all that kind of stuff. Right. right. You know, sometimes so, for legal so they, reasons, many times for things in their personal life, like I, hiring a nanny without right. paying, you know, without papers or smoking pot a right. few times. Everybody looks for something that can stick. And, exactly. And, and so this sort is of just the, another iteration, frankly, rule, of what's happened a million times already. The rule seems to be if you just deny it and there's no proof, you, you can go through. And so... Um, yes, but the question is, like, so looking back at the Ginsburg thing, which was something I didn't totally remember. So Douglas Ginsburg was nominated by Reagan. Yeah. Um, and then um, it turned out that he had smoked, he was smoked alleged pot. to have smoked pot a few times yeah. as a professor, as yeah. a law professor, I think, down. at Harvard. He's like, I, this is too okay, much. So, but there was no proof that it that he did, right? It was just people, like, they didn't have, like, the joint with his DNA on it. He didn't want to lie about it. He didn't lie about it. He yeah. just was like... Okay. Yeah. Yes, I did it, and then they basically said. But if Kavanaugh you know, doesn't remember about Reagan's, this, he lost Reagan's, you know, faith, and so then he said, "Fine, the 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 dutiful thing to do in this case is to step down." Right. So that's what's changed. And again, I'm sorry, it does come back to the president, which is now we have this template right. of, you have this black mark against you potentially, right? Which? And the same thing with the pot. I'm sure there are plenty of people who are like, I don't care that he smoked pot. Oh, yeah. So the or, same with this, right? I, people are like, I don't care if he like groped some girl yeah. in a bedroom. Well, I think Matt Bai, who I really liked his article, and it came closest to kind of thinking through the, the issue. Um, he's a Yahoo writer. Right. I'm amazed there still is such a thing as a Yahoo writer. But, um, <laughs> but he basically said, um, we really shouldn't be judging people on the worst thing that they've ever done. Well, except um, then he goes on to say that he still is not comfortable with Kavanaugh because yeah. he doesn't like the way he's and, responded. And actually, but his conclusion is that like the reason he does feel like he's not okay with Kavanaugh is he thinks Kavanaugh should have said something like maybe something did happen. I was I drank a lot those times during those time and, right. and maybe and actually, but then 
And the reason I ultimately disagree with bias because the thing what we just got to, which is like, does his intent really matter or not? Like, because if he doesn't remember this, um, you know, and so maybe he should say, hey, I, I, I did drink a lot back then. You know, but then he'd be out of the running. See, this is the thing. So he like, can't. he can't. If he said anything, like I don't remember it, but it's possible that something happened that was misinterpreted between us. He's out then. Yeah. Like he's out. So and he so knows it, which is why his only hope is to just, you know, keep saying, "I don't know anything about this. This definitely didn't happen. Right? I never did anything like and, this." And that may be true, and that may not be true, and we just will have no way of ever knowing. Um, let's talk. About, can we switch? Absolutely. Switch topics a <laughs> little bit. <laughs> and we could go on and on. We're going to go back to it, I know. But um, it's going to keep pulling us in. I, I thought that one of the interesting things about this thing, too, was just the issue of language, right? And uh, the, What language in particular? Well, in particular, well, this was an interesting week for me in which I was used, people, I was called a milk toast in a conversation <laughs> because I wasn't jumping in enough. Then I was called a rape apologist by somebody um, when I was really just trying to make this. this we should this make it clear that none of this happened in person. This, this was, was all on online. Yes. And um, and it was a rough week. It was it was a surprisingly um, rough week for me on your on your Facebook, and it's <laughs> why I don't usually stay on your Facebook. And um, but I I actually thought it was really interesting about like well what is the what. I listened to this daily podcast with Caitlin Flanagan that you yes. shared, and I the very first about words an article of that, she wrote in the Atlantic. The very first words of that podcast were like, "Well, this is talking about the allegations of sexual aggression that happened," and I was like, "Huh?" And and when they said that, like, I kind of like my body relaxed. I was like, "Oh, like why did like, that make you feel better?" Because I thought, okay, that saying sexual aggression to me was a was is a word which with words that I felt like, okay, now I can kind of open myself up to, because I think that if this Wait, happened... so that's interesting. So if they said sexual assault or rape, what would your emotional response to that be? In fact, what is your emotional response? Because that is my, what they're saying about My emotional Kavanaugh. response to sexual assault or rape is to start saying, well, what is rape? What is sexual assault? And so then I'm going to pull back and I say those are criminal terms. Yeah. So now I'm thinking about it as a... Legal case. As a legal case, okay. more or less. Yeah, I do actually think that's a trap that we've have definitely fallen into because right. a lot of people are now talking about how Kavanaugh deserves due process. But that's right. kind of a ridiculous argument because this is not a legal case, right? right. So what does due process mean the when proof? there is no law? Like, we're not and talking about laws here. We're talking about something right. quite different. And people are talking about things but by like, using a, your sta- saying, like right. a statute of limitations. And then right. you're talking about, well, there is no criminal case. There's no statute of limitations right. Right. For, on character. On, but at the same time, we do have statute of limitations because of, because of memory. We do treat minors differently because right. of the way they are. Yeah. So, but anyway. Okay, so, so you're saying that using sexual assault and rape is a problematic... I just thought, when I heard him say sexual aggression, I said, okay, now I can listen to this. Yeah. And I felt, I, like, I relaxed and I said, like, good, like, like, now let's, let's have the conversation. And, and, um, and then Caitlin Flanagan went, into, went on to describe something that really did sound to me like an attempted rape, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to... <laughs> but you were um, open to hearing about it because they called it sexual aggression? But because they talked about Kavanaugh's thing as sexual aggression, I said, like, and I said, okay, like, if we could have conversations, uh, what I liked about it was that it didn't... It put didn't it in put legal a, terms. Put it, put it in legal terms. But actually, Andrew, a, that's so interesting to me. I would have almost imagined trying to put myself in the shoes of a man mm-hmm. that um, 
that actually would make me more nervous, I feel like, because then you really could look and say, like, it's, I think it's easy for a man to say, I never assaulted anybody. I never raped anybody. But if you look back on your sexual history yes. uh, and the way that we kind of teach masculinity and sexual behavior in our culture, I think it would be the very rare man or, you know, let's just say a lot of men would be able to look back on their past and think I actually was guilty of being sexually aggressive. And now I understand that that might have happened in a way that made women feel uncomfortable. And yeah. I think that is what happened I with the whole Me Too movement. I think actually that would be a good thing. I think that if people say, hey, the issue here wasn't sexual assault. Right. The let's issue here wasn't or attempted rape. This is an issue of sexual aggression. And, and let's look at male sexual aggression and let's have a conversation about sexual aggression. And that I think... May, that won't course, lead to you going to jail. Of course, every... <laughs> right? And so... Um, and, I, and I'm sure every man goes back and thinks, like, yes. what have I ever... Well, the been... same way that every woman looks back on her history and thinks, what were the times that I was coerced yeah. into something that I didn't want to do? And, and by the way, I think navigating how you deal with women, and I'm sure to be navigating how you deal with men, is, um, is incredibly confusing, and you make a lot of mistakes as a teenager, as everybody sure. does. And so... Um, so, but anyway, I just thought that the language really mattered. It does. And, 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 and that was why when I, you know, so many people used, used, threw around the word attempted rape a lot on yeah. this thing. And I was like, there, there's no, it's just not the right words. So this is the problem, right? When we're talking about, this is what makes all of this so complicated is when we're talking about this particular set of actions and it all has to do with sex. Um, it just makes things way more complicated because sex brings along a whole set of other issues that have to do with emotions and shame and um, expectation, cultural expectations that we have, how we, you know, how we create masculinity and femininity in our culture. Um, and I do want to talk for a second about the other analogy that <laughs> the analogous experience you had. Which one? The, the pencil stabbing The pencil story. stabbing. Oh, yeah, um, I, people... But I Can want I to talk about it. Again? But I want to talk about it. Well, I'll tell you why. Could you just quickly describe what what happened to you? So I, I uh, one of the other probably uh, uh, moments that I was on your on your on your feed on the Facebook feed, and I sort of described saying like thinking about what it would be like to the question I posed to you. What yeah. it would it be like to be to, accused to of be something accused you don't something remember? You don't remember. Mm -hmm. And so my first day in college, or like first week, I guess. Uh, I encountered. A, I only have hazy memories of I, that week because we were drinking right. so heavily. Right. <laughs> no. Um, Sorry, just Kavanaugh joke. Uh, but anyway, it was a fellow freshman. She's like, and I introduced myself, and she's like, Andrew Boyer, you stabbed me with a pencil. Here's the mark in third grade, and um, and I think that's the only time in my life that I've ever been accused of something that I literally had no idea who she was or that I had done it. Did you know you'd gone to school with her? Oh, you didn't I, go to school with her. I, I realized, like, oh, you went to school with, with me, and, like, we, we put that together. Right. And So I her realized, story was credible. She, exactly. I was like, oh, you were, this is, sounds very credible to me, right? What was and, your reaction? Did you think, it wasn't me? <laughs> I know nothing about no, this. No. I was like, that was definitely me. Like, I, I like, <laughs> but, like, I don't know what you're talking about, but, like, I definitely <laughs> am sure that that happened, and I really apologize, and I'm really, really sorry. And How did that uh, go over with her? I think she was like, okay. You know, like... But I, you know, she's writing an essay for the Atlantic about it uh, right, exactly. right now. I kind of, I kind of want to talk to her about it. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, I, I thought, 
that that was a the reason I brought up that anecdote was not because just because I thought that that was an experience that you can have you can have sure. an experience where somebody can accuse you sure. of something so here's and, why I think it's an interesting analogy uh, for that but I also think it's interesting if we look at why it's not the same it's not the same as yeah. a, a sexual aggression allegation yeah. or sexual assault allegation which is that and Caitlin Flanagan is very eloquent about this in her article which is, you know, the girl who you allegedly stabbed with a pencil. I did, no, I, I, I don't think there was any part of her. She was angry with you, yeah. you know, however many years later. It wasn't yeah. that many years later. A decade, she, she a decade, like it, yeah. uh, a decade later. Um, and, you know, she obviously was um, excited had har- about I had it. harbored it and, and yes. knew exactly who I was. Exactly. Remembered. She remembered all of that. The yeah. trauma was, was yeah. there. It bothered her a lot. However, I doubt that she felt in any way ashamed or complicit in That's fair. the pencil stabbing incident. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm not saying this to pick apart your analogy. I actually just think it's a useful comparison, yeah. which is we need to look at why these sexual assault claims or harassment claims or, you know, whatever they are um, that are happening all across the country and the world right now, yeah. why they're so different from other kinds of allegations, which is that the victim, it, it gets to the heart of our identities and it damages our identities in a way that other kinds of crimes don't, right? Like having your wallet stolen or your house burglarized or having an accident. Even actually, interestingly, people who are hit by cars sometimes feel like, oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? (laughs) I have a friend who was hit by a car crossing the street last year. She's okay, thank God. But she actually felt guilty about it. Like, was I not paying close enough attention? I didn't see the woman turning. Um, So in fact, there she even did feel a little bit of guilt, even though it absolutely 100% was not her fault. But then you have to magnify that by a million with these um, sexual interactions that go awry, to put it in the nicest possible way. Yeah. Um, And I just think that you, I think that's what we're trying to parse. And by the way, every victim's a little different too. Oh my gosh, every victim's very different. Right, and that the way, I think you can have some- And not everyone's a victim. Right, like in the Caitlin Flanagan article, she basically said, I. Here was a guy who really was a rapist, right? And really was. But was he? He I never so. raped I, her. Well, no, but he was a. He really did try to, to force her into having sex, and she had to fight him off. Maybe in his mind, she, you know, was a cute and girl, thought, and she went maybe, with him to the beach and smoked pot with maybe, him, and so like he, that's what. Yeah, it's possible that he just thought this is how it worked, right? Yeah, and it's possible that he had kind of. He didn't really know what he was doing. I mean, it's like I thought, well, like they the say no, and then they eventually That's why the yes. intention in the end so doesn't really matter. It's, it's what you do. It's, I agree. And I, she tried to kill herself as a result of this. I like agree. she became but then so the, distraught. But at the same time, then she forgave him. Well, because right? he apologized. Because he apologized, and to me, but although really the worst part of that whole article, and I just have to say this for yeah. anyone out there who's reading it who thinks that I 100% loved it, the worst part of the article is that she says she actually got better when she got another boyfriend yeah. who quote unquote rescued her and yeah. I really really was offended by that I thought but what a shame don't be offended because it was true it's just true it's how she felt like I, I at some level like I don't know that we can like say, say that some people's emotions are valid and some people's other emotions are not valid like you can't be like I just it really bummed me out that that's what she chose to write about in this article because in the end, it made it seem like, oh, what you need is another man to come along and rescue you. This idea of like a, a knight in shining armor, I really bugged me. Sorry. Well, I like the rest of the piece. I thought the whole piece was 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 just I thought very thoughtful and interesting, it was super powerful, and and powerful. And by the way, the thing about Caitlin Flanagan was somebody who the, her last article that I, that I forwarded to you was her defending Jordan Peterson. Ugh. 
So uh, she has somebody who has a lot of credibility. I, I think. didn't love that one. Yeah, I know. I don't know if you read that. <laughs> I did read it. It infuriated me. Good. Okay. So let's. So what a week. Well, let's t- let's step back a little bit because like, there was one more thing we wanted to talk one about. One other right? thing I wanted to talk about. Um, kind of a big picture question. Uh, was like I read I read a piece and I just have been kind of thinking about this. What was it? Um, you know, are we kind of like at the brink of like some sort of civil war? Like, are we? And that's sounds crazy. But it, to me, I, I, there's, this, there's this part of this point of hit, there's two things. One, which is I'm just like, this idea that I think identity politics has affected the right and, and that this was a Francis Fukuyama. know that that term identity politics is a trigger for me. <laughs> I hate that term. But at some point you said, I remember a couple of podcasts ago, you were like, <laughs> you're using the filter of identity politics. And you were like, yes, I am. Like, but I think that they, this idea of identity politics has infected everyone. And so that's what I wanted to do this podcast in the first place was, was I, I was feeling this pull of identity politics. Meaning, you know, what, meaning what? That, you that I was suddenly thinking of myself as a white male that I never thought of myself ever in my whole life as that. And then now because, because of the way that infect, identity politics had kind of infected everybody's conversations like I was starting to feel that pull a little bit and I said like not enough but enough that I wanted to get to the bottom of it and um and okay, I wait so can we talk about that for a second can I just interject which is is that a is that a bad thing it's such a bad thing really it's such a bad thing because I'm no longer making a making a uh, an informed decision on on what is right and what is wrong I'm doing it on based on what what identity I was but don't born you with think, by a roll of dice. But don't you think that it's actually... I don't think it's a good thing to necessarily feel like you're taking sides and that you're on a team. I think it's a really powerful thing for you to understand that as a white man, you do come from a different place from a white woman or a black man. I, yeah, it's been made abundantly clear but I think, But I think that's what you have to focus on, right? Which is not... No one's accusing you. You that's can't help not, what you were born. That's not what it's doing, though. Trying to bring that up to me and telling me all, all over and over again that, like, hey, you're privileged. Hey, you've got these things. Hey, you're... All, when you, by Why does doing that put that, you on the defensive? Um, because I don't know. We have do, Donald do Trump as president. The, do you the reason we have Donald Trump pre- a president, I think, yeah. is very partially because... <laughs> very. Be, right? Because of people were sick of that. And... and um, and people were sick of people blaming white men, but I don't think, think there's a difference between calling your attention to the fact that you are a white man of affluence and privilege. Yeah. I don't think, I think that you can't necessarily see that as an indictment. And I think people who treat it as an indictment are in the wrong. I don't think that you can look at people and say, because the, ver- you know, it's, it's just as wrong to say to a white man, you're an asshole because you're a white man, mm-hmm. as it would be to look at a black woman and say, you're an asshole because you're a black woman. Right? That's wrong on both levels. And I don't, I would never agree with the people who do that. And there are people who do it. Yeah. But I think that you have to fight really hard to understand that it can be a positive thing to understand where you're coming from as a white man, right? To say, like, look, I, because white men have been in charge. Like, you, it's not the I same get, to get, say you're a white I, man and a black man. I get all of that. Right? Uh, I same, just think you need to at keep the same trying time, to move in that direction, Andrew. I, at the same time, what I'm saying is. You're sick of feeling is, accused. No, I'm feeling a tribal pull. And I'm feeling a tribal pull in a way that I didn't feel five years ago. Because you didn't have to. And I, maybe because I didn't have, and I think actually it's pulling us further apart. It's making us think about nullifying things, thinking about not what's right, but like what 
group we belong to. It's well, pulling, it's I hope you're not characterizing in. my argument as that because I never said it, and that's definitely not what I believe. I am also trying to move us towards what's right. I just happen to think that what's right for Brett Kavanaugh um, might actually, in the end, not be the biggest question now. I think it might be what's right for the country. Um, yeah. So, anyway, yes, so that's, I agree that's, that we're so that's, polarized. So that's my, <laughs> Believe my, me. My, my question on identity And I think we should talk about identity politics at some point, whether it's like whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, and whether... Um, whether it is. I guess my point is that white men for so, and I've said this before, white men for so long yeah. didn't feel like their identity mattered because they never suffered any negative consequences as a result. And Whereas, like, clear, white you women can't did be a well person too. of. Sure. <laughs> I, I'm, absolutely. And right. I am, it's something that I'm trying all the time is to understand, like, oh, I got all of these things through no doing of my own. Yeah. Right? Just out of sheer blind luck. Mm. Uh, of being born who I was. How do I correct that? How do I acknowledge it? How do I try to treat other people differently moving forward? So here's my... So then then the question we have is like, are we on the brink of like a big civil war? Or like thinking about and that. And it's a useful and question. And then the question is like, well, where are the lines? Like, exactly. What are lines who would be fighting whom in this civil war? Right. What are the options? We have urban and rural. Right. right? We have men and women. Men and women. So we right have... away, those are the two big divisions. Like... Those are all mixed up. There's men and women in both urban and rural environments. Yeah. Uh, so already we're in a big mess. What are the other lines, do you think? Uh, well, obviously there's... Democrat uh, and Republican. Yeah, and then there's white and non-white. Sure. Um, and, but I mean... Although I it's think, not as simple as that. I think the more, the more likely thing would be you would go states, right? I think it would be more likely you would, you would again see a group of people saying... Like California, for example, saying we're mm-hmm. gonna we're out of here, right? And we want to secede. And but then it gets complicated because then you look at a state like Texas, right? Which is you know I heard described on NPR this morning as you know red, red, red. But actually, if you look at all the urban centers in Texas, they're all blue, 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 right? So even a state like Texas that seems so clear hasn't elected a Democrat to, to statewide office in over twenty years, actually. How you know what would all the people do who who vote Democrat who live in Houston or Dallas? Well, here's or my question. Let's Austin. Say, let's say California, Oregon, and Washington decide to secede, mm-hmm. and they say we're out. Mm-hmm. Like we just totally disagree. We, we're totally self-sufficient. We're like the sixth biggest economy. We don't really right. need the rest of the right. United States. We're out. Would we go to war? Would you go? Would you fight that war to protect <laughs> that? Would you say I'm going to send my daughters? off to go fight Ooh, I like that. to protect hmm. to, to protect the union. No, they, would, would, stay say, home, like, they no. would stay home knitting socks for the soldiers, yeah. Andrew. <laughs> no, I mean, they could. They could fly drones just as good as anyone <laughs> yeah, else. Exactly. Um, would, would you... Um, would I go to war to keep those states in the union? Yeah. No. I, I mean, that's a crazy question, obviously, but an interesting one. Would you? <laughs> I, you know, or would we, should we just say, yeah, they can go. Like, they can, they can leave. And like, I mean, I think if, all of our if, faith if in the Trump United said, no, you're, States you're not is leaving. pretty shaken. I'm going to do what Lincoln did. I'm going to prevent you from going. Well, I see, think that's the bigger question is not would we go to war for it, but what would we do if the administration decided to go yeah, to war for it? Yeah, which side would you be on? Would you I'd move to California. California? I would. I actually would. So you would go become a, you'd sure. be a rebel. Yeah, if that was my choice. Yeah. Or I'd try to get New York to secede too. Yeah, I just... And more states to join. That's what I would do. Yes. Right. Right, so then you want to be on the blue side, and you want to. Um, if that's the choice I had, I certainly hope it doesn't come. To yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't know. Maybe that's all just crazy, but. But also, none of this is new, and I think like this is something we have to keep reminding ourselves just in order to stay sane. Which is not that none of this is important, because it is important, but our country has been 
riven by divisions in the past, worse than this. Is that true? Yes. And men and women have also been riven by riven by divisions. I mean, obviously, in the, past. the Civil War was more. The Civil riven, War was and worse. Probably was the '60s worse than now? Maybe. Sure. But I don't think we were. Kids were being killed on college campuses. But I think like. But at least, like, the political system worked back then. Did it, though? I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know. But at least, to me, it seemed like, you know, the stuff that we learned in Schoolhouse Rock. and and I think it's an illusion. That all that stuff actually, like, things kind of worked out. I just think this is a new strain and a new, it's like a new fault opening up. Mm -hmm. But we've dealt with other faults before. Um, So you think... You think this is not such a big deal and we'll get through it. No, no, no. It's not to say that it's not such a big deal. I just think we can't succumb to despair and exhaustion. Yeah. Um, I think we need to tune out at times that we need to tune out. I don't think that whether you and I pay close attention to every single development ultimately will matter in the fate of the nation. Um, And I think a lot of people are actually feeling like really, really emotionally drained. and. Yeah, it's personal for people in a way that I just... We maybe have not experienced. We have not experienced I've in our lifetime. Before, no. but maybe it's. Um, but but see, maybe that's what I think is not new. Exactly. I think if you grew up in the '60s, I think if you were in the 1860s, it felt personal. Yeah. Um, it's new for us. We were like a weirdly politically apathetic generation. I have to say, Gen Xers. Yeah. Um, and we're not anymore. Well, there you have it. Um, <laughs> so what? What a week. Um, what will happen? Episode. 21 is in the can. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much. And, and thanks uh, for all your feedback. Thank you it's for really, participating. Really helpful. And, um, and, uh, to, be, to be continued. To be continued. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye.